This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, people. Move. Construction is supposed to happen at 3.30 in the morning, not during morning rush. Oh, no. 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 Why? I can't give my presentation like this. Great. Now traffic's at a standstill. Well, my presentation doesn't matter now because I'm going to miss the whole thing. Oh, Oh, I'm going to be so late. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I'll lose the account. I'll lose my job. Move! 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 Reception is so bad. Uh, I call my secretary. She can't admit. What? What are you doing? Uh, excuse me. Can I help you? Can I help you? What are you doing in my car? What are you doing in your car? Please stop doing that. Please stop doing what? Oh, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, th- that's it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm done. I won't do that anymore. Thank you. Now, what's going on here? Who are you, and what are you doing? I'm Bob. Pleased to meet you. Prayer. What did you say? Prayer. Try prayer. You pray in church. Why not now? Because I don't... How dare you? I might not believe in prayer. I might be an atheist. Are you an atheist? No. Do you believe in prayer? Yes. Then why not now? What makes you think I need prayer? Mm. The vein in your forehead. Come on, let's be real here for one second. You need help. Oh, well, thank you, Clarence. But you're not going to get your wings today, okay? I pray, okay? I pray in church. I pray enough for the whole week, so don't worry. I'm not the one who's worried. Look, what do you want me to do? Get out of my car and get down on my knees? I mean, I'm in the middle of traffic. I can't very well bow my head and close my eyes. Do you bow your head and close your eyes when you talk to your friends? He's a friend. Yeah, but I wouldn't know what to say. There's so much going on in my head right now. That's right. So, kiss. Uh, can we settle for a handshake? <laughs> No, no. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Make it a prayer you can fit in your billfold and pull out anywhere. Ah, look. The road is opening up. Have a good day. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
Slow down, you move too fast. Hello, God. Help. Lord, help. I think God uh, understands those kinds of prayers. Lord, help. In the midst of the day, whatever's going on. What we're talking about today is practicing the presence. How do we learn to pray on the run? We are in the midst of this prayer series where we're looking at different ways of praying. And a couple weeks ago, we started by talking about getting started with this whole idea that you have a prayer chair, that you have a place to go at a set time and a place as much as you possibly can every day. And in that prayer chair, you talk to God about whatever's on your mind. You don't pray as you would like to be. You pray as you are. You talk to God about what you're worried about. And if you can get to that point, you listen to hear God's voice. Very important to have that chair time with God every day. Last week, we talked about the Scriptures. We talked about how do you read the Scripture in such a way that we listen to the voice of God in the Scripture the God in the Bible, behind the Bible, the living word, in a psalm or in a story, what is God saying to me through this Scripture today? Today, we're talking about practicing prayer, and we're going to be looking at a Scripture, a story, and as we do that, I'm going to ask you, can you find yourself in this story? Are you more like Martha Or are you more like Mary? And regardless of how you're spiritually wired and who you are, listen to God speak to you through this message today. Now, we're going to the story in Luke chapter 10, and let me set this up for you just for a moment. Jesus really is close to this family, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. They live in a little town called Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus, probably next to the 12 disciples, the 12 guys, the 12 apostles that Jesus spent three years with, he was probably as close or closer to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus than anyone else. And so there's a familiarity with them. They can kind of put their hair down and be real. And so we're going to read about this one time when Jesus pays a visit at his friend's home. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. It's never good when your name's called twice. (laughs) The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have the clash of perspectives. 
What does good hospitality look like? Martha thinks that good hospitality is preparing all the food and getting everything just right for the guests, doing what is needed. Mary, on the other hand, believes that hospitality is engaging the guests, being in relationship, being in conversation with the guests, especially when that guest is Jesus. And so Martha gets very upset. Now, this is not a message, nor is this a story that's trying to pit Martha and Mary against each other. I think we miss the point when we try to suggest that Jesus is asking Martha to be someone different than her personality. Martha has many fine qualities. Martha is a servant. She's a task-oriented person. Nothing wrong with that. But it's how she's going about it. She's kind of lost her joy here. You know, I know when Martha's got the best in me or the best of me, the worst in Martha's got the best of Bob. (laughs) It's when I get too serious. It's when I can't crack a joke. It's when I can't go through the day without a real smile. I know Martha has got the best in me. So there's some signs where we know when Martha at her worst is rising up in us, some distinct key indicators. One is that Martha is distracted. We are distracted. Now, Martha in this story wouldn't say she's distracted. She's doing what she's supposed to do. But what is she distracted from? She's distracted from the presence of God. When we go through life, at the end of the day or at the end of our life, no matter what we've accomplished, if we've missed Jesus along the way, we've missed the one thing that's needed. And Martha, in doing good things for Jesus, kind of lost Jesus along the way, according to Jesus. Jesus tells her, you're worried and distracted by many things. And when Martha get the best of us, we're accusatory. Uh, Lord, don't you care? See, I have my agenda. I have my things to accomplish. When things don't go along the way that I think they should, I can believe that no one cares, especially I can accuse God of not caring. Lord, don't you care? But Martha doesn't stop there. She even has the audacity to tell Jesus what to do. She's demanding. Lord, you tell my sister to help me. And so how do we deal in a Martha demanding, busy life? How do we dial her down? Now, I'm not a woman. I'm married to a woman. I like women in general. I try to understand women. I know I'm going to get in trouble here. I know I am. But what I understand about women, what I read about women, (laughs) is that women have a, a really good propensity to feel guilty and to be depressed and to try to be super mom if they're a mom on top of all the other obligations in life. And so it's even doubly worse, I think, for females 
than males in terms of all the stuff that rises up in us, and there's a Martha voice that rises up in us that can really slam us and make us feel about this tall. And we gotta some way quiet Martha down when she's at her worst so that we can let Mary have some expression in us because the point is, friends, we need both Martha and Mary. There is a Mary and a Martha in in both of them exist in us. Some of us are more in tune to Martha or Mary, but we need both in our life, in our world, in our spirits, in our hearts. So how do we dial Martha down when she's at her worst, demanding, intimidating, frantic self, and let Mary rise up to call us into the presence of Jesus and to let whatever's going on in our life be ordered around that presence and that care? What I want to do in the remaining time we got today, I want to talk about this in two different ways. I want to talk about this in, in kind of the church life level. Are we more of a Martha church or a Mary church? And I also want to talk about it in terms of an individual thing. Are we more uh, like Martha or Mary? And, and how can we practice the presence of God while we're doing the Martha stuff, okay? So in terms of a Martha church, what, what does a Martha church look like? I'm indebted to Terry Teckle here, who is a United Methodist pastor who kind of comes up with some of this phraseology. But in a Martha church, it's, it's a busy place. I mean, everything happens on tight schedule. We have 8.20 worship. We have 9.40 worship. We have an 11 o'clock worship here and over at Renovate. We have stuff out there in the fellowship center. We got Sunday school class. We got it going. And in Martha churches, things are just really tight. There's uh, maybe some a lot of discussion about God. We might even have a lot of good Bible studies. We might even talk about prayer, but in strictly Martha churches, prayer isn't something that's really experienced in depth and known. People who come to Martha churches, we're consumers, by golly. We expect things to be just right. We're church shoppers. And if we don't like it as consumers... We can go somebody else. We can go somewhere else. In Martha churches, uh, we can be distracted by many things. We can have a full calendar. We can have a full slate. We can have all these different programs and stuff. But it's quite possible to miss out on the one thing that's needed, the presence of Christ. You know, Martha churches can do a lot of good things. But a Martha church can fall out of love with Jesus. Now, what does a Mary church look like? Mary churches not simply have consumers, but we are consumed with worship. We have a presence. There is a presence in our life, in our church. One of the busiest rooms in a married church is the prayer room, and I'm glad that the prayer room in the Outreach Center and the prayer room right behind those glass windows are usually two of the busiest rooms in the church. In married churches, pastors are able to lead but not be the center of everything. We can lead in worship, in word, in prayer, in helping to organize the life of the congregation, but it's the people It's the people. All of us get to serve. Many things happen 
that can only be explained in a married church by the presence of Christ. You know, the church has got to be more than a well-oiled machine. It's got to be more than what's on paper. In a married church, there's a presence of God that allows things to happen that cannot happen apart from God's presence. And our hearts overflow with his love. So what would you say? Would you say Schweitzer is more of a Martha church or a married church? What would a Martha and a married church look like together? In a Martha and a married church, you got Mary and Martha serving right side of each other. In our prayer uh, food pantry ministry, we have people that come and they receive food. And I love what's happened just this week where we've replaced those kind of those rows of chairs where people come into the food pantry and they sit down and they're like a client. And you just kind of wait until your name is called where you can go up and be served. Those chairs are gone. And now, tables and chairs, where when people walk into the food pantry, they're not a client. They're a guest. And there's conversation that can be had around tables and chairs, connections. And as always been the case, when people receive food, they can also receive prayer. People receive something about their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. When the church is at its best, it's not either or. It's both and. In our ministry, Jobs for Life, this ministry is just beginning at Schweitzer. It's created to help people in this community to be able to develop the life skills, to know what it means to acquire a job, what it needs to get a job and to keep a job, and not just a job, but life skills that's going to serve them holistically in what they do. But it's also about how do they become disciples of Jesus? Because everything we, that we do around here needs to be connected to this presence of Jesus, this reality of Jesus, that ultimately is the only person that can change your life and stabilize us and help us to succeed in life and to make a difference, not just in our life, but out there in the world. In a Mary and a Martha church, everyone worships, everyone grows, everyone serves. We believe that everyone at Schweitzer should be able to answer three questions. One is, when do you worship? Well, I might worship at 940, or renovate, or one of our traditional services, and I worship in my chair time. Where do you grow? Is there a group? Is there a class? Is, is there a number of individuals that challenge you? Where do you go to be challenged and to, to grow in your faith? Where do you have Christian conversation? Where do you pray with others? Yes, follow, pray, study, grow. Yes, have that chair time. But is there a group or a class that you're connected to? How do we help you to do that? So important. And then serve. Where are you serving? Every week, or at least once a month, is there a place where you regularly serve in ministry in this church? Who are you serving? How do you serve this congregation? Why do we do that? Because it's a holistic approach. It combines worship and prayer with service and action. It puts Mary and Martha together.
And you know, in a Mary and Martha church, I think we learn to do more with less. It's not about keeping all the calendar full. It's not about all these programs. It's about what's really working here? What's really helping to change people's lives and transform them? What's really leading people to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to take Jesus out there in the world? Let's do that. Let's do more of that. And let's stop doing all the other stuff. Let's be a Mary and a Martha church. Now, what about our individual lives? What about you? Maybe you're a, a parent today. You have children. Um, there's the story that I like to tell of Alice and John. They're a couple that's got some small children, and they've got too many demands in life. And so in the book, How to Have a Merry Heart in a Martha World, the story is told of them where they've got too many rocks in their wagon. And they're trying to figure out, of all the things going on in their life, how do we cut down or cut out something? Because, you know, Martha can be so demanding, and we can think that we've got to do everything for our kids and rush here, there, and yonder. And if we're not able to do it all, then there's something wrong with us. How do we dial that down? So what John and Alice decided to do was they made a list of all the activities that they were involved in, children and work and church and all the demands in life. And then they decided that they would pray and prioritize the activities of what's important. One, two, three, and four. And then they decided to eliminate all the fours. And it was hard to let some of the things that were fours go because they were good things. But they weren't as important as the threes and the twos and the ones. And they experienced a greater freedom. One of the things that I keep hearing from a lot of individuals, what I've experienced in my own life, what I hear in our prayer groups that we're a part of these days, is that there's a restlessness, there's an anxiety that, that we're fighting. There's a real restlessness in this world. There's some things that we can be worried about. There's some things that we could and should be concerned about. And the media has a way of playing up the anxiety. So if you're not worried, by golly, just watch the news, and you will be. But the only way we can really overcome anxiety and restlessness, this inner restlessness, is to touch and tap into the presence of Christ. There's a theologian. I came across this week that I'd like to see, uh, have you watch with me a video. Uh, let's see what this theologian has to tell us about restlessness and prayer. I am Elliot. I have five people in my family. I'm six and I go to school. God loves me and when I pray to God, he likes it because he likes me talking to him. It was my first day of school and I was a bit scared because I didn't have any friends and my other friend, my best friend wasn't coming yet. My dad prayed for me and they and he said, God, we come to you today and help Elliot try and find a friend. 
We were dancing for prayer, the words worked up in the wind, up the heaven to God. These blue dots are the angels, and this is God in his chair. This is Elliot. I have a prayer for you to say if you're shocked, scared, or worried, just like I was on my first day of school. Um, shall I pray now? Circle me, Lord. Keep comfort there. And discouragement afar. Keep peace within. And turmoil out. Amen. Elliot's from the Ozarks, but... Uh... <laughs> But there's two things that Elliot really tells us that's really helpful. One is he, he talks about specifically when he was needing a friend at school, first day of school, asking that God would help Elliot to have a friend. Sometimes I have parents say to me, well, Bob, what do you do when you pray with your kid and they ask for something and it doesn't happen? Well, I think the more important question is how do you explain to your kid that things never happened because you never prayed with them. Elliot's dad prayed with him. That's really a cool thing. And Elliot's circle prayer is just saying, keep us centered, God. Keep us centered. Kathy Hopper wrote that song that she sang earlier. I love that song. Um, Don't try so hard. Don't try so hard. I was having a hard day last Wednesday, and I, of all people, wasn't practicing the presence of God very well this week. And I was caught up being Martha, and uh, I got the Elliot video from Tim Smith, and then right after that, I got this email from a pastor friend who's starting a new church in, in St. Louis. And if you want to do something really hard in life, try to start a new church. And we really celebrate Church of the Center, and I encourage you to go to the lunch today because Pastor Mark and those folks are really doing great work, and it's fun to see this. But my pastor friend in St. Louis, they're needing a place to meet because they've been in a school, and they've been in a theater, they've been in other places, and they get, they get kind of kicked out. And you know, this is not a culture that's friendly to churches. So if you want to do something really hard in life, when you don't have any money, and you're trying to make things work, try to start a church. And so we've been praying for my friend, and, and he put in this request. He really needs this guy who's wealthy that's got a building to give them this building at little or no cost. Now, that's a bold prayer. When you pray bold prayers like that, you need faith. And that moment, Erebus walks in. Jason's one of his daughters. And uh, I just hear the whisper of God. The faith of a child. The faith of a child. And so I say, Erebus, here's what's going on. Would you pray with me? And Erebus, and I prayed. She prayed the sweetest prayer. I like to pray of children because children still know how to pray. 
keeping it simple, dialing down the anxiety, keeping it real, on the run, practicing the presence. Kind of turned my day around, my week around last Wednesday afternoon. Becky Ryan is one of those persons in our church that's a sweetheart. She serves in our prayer ministry, our food pantry, and she and Jeff and Paige are, are real, real good folks. And Becky sent me an email this week that talked about how that she's able to take prayer to a new level. And what she's doing is, she says, she's going to the prayer chair. And so she's learning in that prayer chair to quiet herself. She used to think that prayer was always about her talking, but now she's listening. And God is quieting her spirit and settling her down. And she talks about how that uh, David Crowder's song, I Am, is really ministering to her, this idea that God is holding us. It's not so much us holding on to God, but God is really holding on to us and holding her. And she talked about going in the country and doing this stuff about walking and really looking at the blue sky. Boy, that sky was so blue yesterday. Smelling the mowed grass, letting the wind get on your face. And she said the presence of God was so real. And she's someone that's dealt with anxiety, the restlessness, the struggles that we face in life. She's learning to dial it down. So here's three quick prayers you can always pray on the run. Lord, help. Lord, help. Whatever's going on, what that does is that opens me up to the Spirit of God that makes me a receptive person. Lord, help me right now. And Lord, when I sense you're doing something or you're guiding me or I see this, do more. Lord, more. More of you. More of you, God. More of you now. Do more than I could think or imagine. Lord, more. More. And Lord, thanks. Celebrate what God is doing. Mark it. Praise it. Recognize it. God, thanks. Thanks for this. How do we practice the presence of God on the run? How do we incorporate a merry spirit as we're doing Martha's stuff? We can do this. You can do this. By just keep doing it and orienting ourselves around the presence of Christ. There's a prayer that I want to, us to do uh, together right now. It's called the Jesus Prayer. And this prayer has been preserved for us down through the centuries, primarily by the Eastern Church. I love this prayer in so many different ways. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You say those words with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you ever wonder, how do I come to know Jesus? How do I come to faith? That prayer really helps us to know the essence of what this means. So theologically, it's so sound, it's so biblical. There's stories about people simply calling out for Jesus' name and asking for his mercy, asking for his forgiveness. I'm not trusting in my works or my earning potential or trying to pretend something. I'm just naming who Jesus is. He's the Lord. He's the God. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior. Have mercy on me a sinner. I recognize my frailty, my shortcomings, my brokenness. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Anyone, 
can begin to pray that and open themselves up and to receive the presence of God in their life. And then how do we ongoingly practice this presence? In the mornings, in the evenings, when the level of anxiety rises up, any time during the day, I can breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I begin to center myself, and I begin to practice the presence of God. So for a few minutes, I'd like to just invite all of us to do that in our own spirit. The breath prayer, breathing in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner.